Welcome everyone to Hold My Ice Coffee podcast. We are very excited today. Um, I'm just over the moon to have Jennifer Wheeland here. Um, she is uh, someone who, she's dancing, you can't see that right now, but she's someone who really refreshes, she refreshes the soul. Um, and you're gonna get to experience that too. too. There's gonna be a, just a time of refreshing. She is high energy, but she's a wise soul and it just oozes out of her pores. You're gonna, you're gonna love this. So we are gonna get right into it. Um, she is, I know her through a mutual friend, Patty, and she's spoken so highly of you and I've, I've gotten to see your, Okay to say you're I've heard some of your singing I've heard oh, yeah. uh, you know who, what you're all about and I just loved it and I'm so glad that we can make contact with each other uh, we know that you are a rock star mom you're a musician a singer and just so talented in what you do talented events planner yeah. and we are and a great friend you know someone who you would want to grab coffee with and want to just know and say i am so thankful that you're in the world you have such warmth and you know you took on a role jen that you never expected so first we just want to say thank you and welcome to hold my ice coffee well thank you for having me i appreciate it um I don't know what all those accolades and who they were for, but I, they <laughs> couldn't have been for me because I'm not that great of a person, honestly. Um, no, I uh, I appreciate it. And yes, Patty, um, Patty and I talked together. I, I have been many things over the years mm -hmm. and uh, a preschool teacher was one of them. And that's where I met Patty. Wow. So um, yeah, yes. those were in my earlier days. Yes. A heart for, for kids, you know. Yes, for just heart I for love people. Yes. Yeah. I, and kids, especially, you know, if I go to any sort of event, I always <laughs> within five minutes, I'm with the kids wherever they are. I prefer to sit at the kids table. <laughs> don't, don't make me sit with the adults. I really don't want to sit with adults. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I, I do a lot of stuff. But one of the things is, you know, is a mom extraordinaire as most moms are, I think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we, want, we want to give out a quick shout out to Patty. Thank you so much, Patty, for introducing no, me to Jen. You're awesome. And uh, she's also one that the kids always find her. So I see that Thank in you. common with you that that I think that's a wonderful quality. Um, and you took on a role you never expected. Uh, you're a mom of two. Is that right? Two daughters. Yep. And Georgia you and Maggie. Georgia and Maggie, and you took on an unexpected role, which kind of took you on this journey, propelled you on this journey. Can you tell us about the journey that you've been on and where it began? Absolutely. Um, back in 2007, in uh, the wintertime of 2007, Georgia, um, my now 18-year-old, was in preschool and she started mm -hmm. feeling weird. She started waking up in the middle of the night with screaming of leg pain. And so for a few months, we were going back and forth with the pediatrician and, you know, they thought it was Lyme disease. They thought it was, you know, a couple of different things, um, a rheumatological problem possibly. And as the months went by, it started happening, happening more and more. And then in the mm -hmm. beginning of May of 2007, she started getting really high fevers. And one night, it got so bad. It was like up to 105 or something. And I oh called gosh. the pediatrician and I said, what are we supposed to do here? Tylenol is not working. What's happening. She's screaming that her legs hurt. What's going on. And she said, I'm going to just tell you to go to Hasbro. She said, I don't even want to, you know, deal with this. It's, it's a little over my head. Just go there. So we did. And, uh, at 2 AM on May 8th of 20, 
2007, um, the doctor came in and said, your daughter has leukemia. And mm. we were like, oh, not something we thought. We thought maybe we'd go in, maybe she had a bad infection, you know, not something that you yeah. as a parent expect to ever hear. And, um, but we did. And I remember just like being in shock. I will never forget this doctor's face. I have seen him out and about in public over the past 13 mm -hmm. years. And the two of us always recognize each other. And I even still to this day, when I see him, I mm -hmm. say, I know you. And he'll say, I know you too. And uh, yeah, you never forget, um, you know, the, the person who told you that news. So yeah, it was, it was devastating. And strange and weird and scary and you know everything all at the same time mm. oh my goodness i can imagine and yeah. she was in what grade at that time she was in she had just turned five she was oh finishing preschool and she was going to be going to kindergarten in the fall and oh my uh, goodness. yeah and honest to god when they first said you know she has leukemia my first thoughts were, oh my God, I was just yelling at her yesterday because she wasn't moving. And, you know, all mm. of a sudden just these, these horrible, guilty thoughts of what I had mm. asked her to do, what I had expected her to do, you know, just a few days previously. And then having that on top of it, I felt like the worst mom ever. Um, but, you know, quickly got over that and, and just kind of moved it. The next 48 hours of it were were just insane, absolutely insane. Um, she was admitted, you know, we started meeting all these pediatric oncologists and it was just, it was madness. It was absolute madness. Did she really know what was going on being so young? Or no. Was it just kind of one minute, one step at a time? Here's what we're she, doing. Here's what we're doing. Yeah, here's, here's what we're doing. Here's what you have. You have cancer. And she mm. was like, okay, <laughs> you know. Mm. And to be honest with you, kids at that age, they don't know what that is. Yeah. They have no mental connection to it. They have no mental baggage like adults do to the word cancer. So to her, mm -hmm. it was, oh, okay, you know, are they going to fix me? And then I'm going to go home? Like, what's, you know, what's yeah. going on? And um, so we told her, and we had always been very straight with her from the very beginning. That's That's how our parenting style was. And mine, especially, you know, I don't sugarcoat, um, yeah. but you know, yeah, you, you have cancer. They have to do a couple of surgeries. We're going to go one day at a time and see what happens, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah. it, it was just, it, I, I will say of all the cancers for a child to get leukemia would be the one you'd want to pick. If you had to pick one, it mm. has the highest cure rate, um, mm. you know, especially at a younger age. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was, it was a struggle, but mm. I literally over her in the hospital room, literally put my hands up to God and just said, she's yours. She's not mine. Yes. Whatever yes. happens, happens. Just tell me what I'm supposed to do. Give me the right, you know, things to say, give me the strength to do this. I have no idea what's going on. Yes. She's yes. yours. She's yours. You know, so mm. just tell me what to do. So yeah, it was oh uh, not not expected. Absolutely. It's almost like I'm, I'm sure you divide time between before that diagnosis and after. You know, oh, yeah. Our, our lives from that day went before cancer and then after. Yeah. 
everything yeah. was before she was sick, yeah. before she was sick, before she was sick, even to this day. And she's now 18. So, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. It's strange. What were some of the biggest struggles, if I can ask, um, for you as a mom and, and for Georgia during that time, for people who don't know, or maybe they haven't been able to, you know, get to sit down and really talk to someone in their lives who has gone through this? What would you want us to know? What were some of the biggest struggles you both faced? One of the biggest struggles for, for me um, and for our family was I am a helper. I'm a caregiver. I am not used to being the one who needs to be helped and who yeah. needs to be cared for. And that was something at that point in time that I had to completely wash my hands of and just say, okay, yeah, I need help. I need people mm. I need. And that's when my, my best friend, uh, Kate Chen, who uh, mm. <laughs> I call her my <laughs> wife, because I don't care who you are. Every woman needs a wife. Um, <laughs> but she... <laughs> She exactly. kind of <laughs> took over for me almost as my secretary and she put out weekly updates on how things mm -hmm. were going. She, with other people in the community from our church at the time, you know, got fundraising events and things like that going. So mm -hmm. I had to learn how to understand that, okay, I couldn't do it by myself. This was not something that I could do. And no, I didn't need help necessarily with doing my laundry and cleaning my house. But when those things were taken care of, I could spend that time that I would have been spending doing that with Georgia and with Maggie yes. and doing yes. things that were a lot more important. And I'll tell you, to be honest, my perspective on life completely changed. Up until wow. that point, I was kind of an anxious mom. I would always need to be early for things. Everything had to be a certain way. And like mm. overnight, I just went from that to who cares? You know, <laughs> we're all here. We're all breathing. Who cares if we walk into church late? I don't care. Nobody else is going to care. So it really, it really put into perspective a lot of just your daily life and how you look at things and what we consider as important and as priorities. And they definitely changed mm. for me. Definitely changed. Oh my goodness. Mm. And for, and for Georgia, how did it, how were those months for her, it, it, you know, paint us a picture of what she went through. If you they can. were, yeah. Um, the couple, she had to spend a couple of weeks in the hospital from the diagnosis on to get her kind of stable. And um, honestly, it's probably terrible to say the kids physically, they have no idea what's happening. They feel weird. They're sick all the time. They don't know what's going on. But the silver lining is that they are, everyone is at their beck and call. Yes. And suddenly she's going from being at home and, you know, calling for me to do something and having to say, you know, okay, hold on a minute to now she pushes a button. And, you know, the nurse shows right up, Georgia, what do you need? What do you want? So it, it, they kind of take on that. They look at that aspect of it. She was watching TV at midnight because she couldn't sleep or because the medications yeah. were keeping her up. And yeah. so for them, physically, it's very hard. Physically, mm -hmm. it's very hard for them. Their tiny little bodies are getting just pumped with all this life-saving poison is what I call it. Mm -hmm. And um, 
you know, they change and they have cravings that are so strange. She would want chicken nuggets at six in the morning. It was yes. just with a lot of the, the medications that they take. So, yes, yes. but for her, I remember the first day that she saw Maggie after her diagnosis, mm -hmm. it was mother's day that year. And she hadn't seen Maggie in two weeks. And she sat down with Maggie and at this point she had a porta calf inserted um, mm -hmm. and that's how she would get her medication. Now Maggie at the time was only three, Georgia was five. <laughs> and so she sat Maggie down and she had a doll. Um, the child life specialist give the kids a doll with a port and so they know what's inside them and how it works. And she literally sat down with Maggie and she said, okay, now Maggie, when you get your cancer, this is what they're going to do. This is what you have. It's almost like she was saying, okay, when you get the flu, this is what's going to happen. And so to her, wow. she had no idea that not everybody has this, you know, cause she would even yeah. ask her father and I, well, when you had your cancer, did you have a port? So for her, it was just a rite of passage in life. Yes. Yeah, a lot of the kids that age, like I said, they don't have the baggage with it that, um, so this was just a part of life for her. You know, she didn't know anything different. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow. I could only imagine seeing the two of them together at that, that meeting after two weeks. So probably it was honestly in the history of mother's days for me, it was the best mother's day ever. It really was. And we spent it at Hasbro and it was the first time we actually went outside to the gardens at Hasbro. And that was the first time that Georgia mm. had actually been physically outside in, you know, two weeks. So it was, it was the best mother's day I had ever experienced. It really, really was. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Just like you said, you put your, it's putting things in perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Other things just fade away. You realize what's important and it's not anything other than what's right in front of you and your kids, your family, and that that's it. Yes. Now you, you mentioned you met an incredible community during that time that I'm, I'm assuming includes Hasbro, but can you tell us a little bit about that and the other moms that you met and what that community was like? Absolutely. We, I am a social person. I know it doesn't seem <laughs> like I am, um, but I'm a social person. And one of the only ways that I could get through this was mm -hmm. you look across the hall and you see another mom with their child who's also throwing up in a pink bucket from the chemo they just had. And you just automatically, you realize these people that you are doing this with, mm -hmm. you don't have to explain anything to them because they know already exactly what you're going through. They know how you're feeling. They know what's going on in your head. It's not like someone on the outside, on the outside mm -hmm. who you have to explain things to. The mom yeah. across the hall can hear your kid. You can hear hers. And I am just, you know, it was one of the things I could reach out to them and offer them a hug or they would do the same to me. So we really became, there were probably 10 or 12 of us that really became just mm -hmm. close. You end up going in for treatments on the same days, you know, seeing, doing the same procedures on the same days. So you really get to know the other families if you want to. There were some people who preferred to be very isolated and alone and didn't want other people around them. 
Mm. But me, no. I need all these other mamas around me. And uh, especially the second time around when she relapsed, that was even huger. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So she relapsed in uh, 2011. So yeah, that was crazy too. And I knew it's odd enough. I knew it wasn't gone. I knew the first time really? she was done with treatment. She was done with treatment in July of 2009. And I knew in my gut, it wasn't over. I knew it wasn't over. There was just something that told me it wasn't over. Um, and it wasn't a fear. It was just a definite gut feeling that this was not over. And it wasn't. Came back in April of 2011. So can you, can you tell us a little bit about that, about what that, that part of the journey was like, even though you, you just mentioned to us that you had this gut feeling that it wasn't over. So maybe it wasn't a shock. It was still must've been like, okay, we're plunged into this again. We're back into this mode in this life. And so I could imagine, you know, sometimes you hear maybe parents talking about a transition now, and I could imagine you think, Okay, that that's not really a transition, guys. This is like <laughs> until you've walked in my shoes. No disrespect meant, but absolutely this is a transition because everyone has their own stuff in their own life. But let me tell absolutely. you about the transition that my daughters and I and my family and friends walked through again. Like yeah. was you know it's heartbreaking to even hear, but was Georgia? I mean, was she? How did she handle hearing that it was? She was bad? not surprised, and honestly, yeah, I had been telling the doctors for months. I said, something is going on. Something's going on. I don't know if it's back. I don't know what the deal is. She was, ha- she started having neck issues. Oh, and okay. what can happen is leukemia obviously starts in the bone marrow. That's where it, it begins. And, but it hides in the spine. And oh, okay. she started having a lot of back pain, a lot of neck pain. And I knew, and I kept asking and asking what, you know, can we come up? Can we do this and that? And they would check her blood and her counts were okay. But it was finally when they decided to do a spinal tap, which is when they go in and actually extract spinal fluid that they, uh, they immediately knew what it was. And when they brought George's father, Tom and I into Mm -hmm. the room and said, you know, we have some news. George's cancer is back. I literally looked at both of these doctors and I said, I told you that two months ago. But what happens is wow. it's almost like a pregnancy test. If you take it too soon, it'll give you a negative. And that's wow. what was happening. Without actually going into the spine, they would not have been able to find that. Um, but yeah, I, I knew two months beforehand, I knew it was back. I knew it. It just, they had to do the proper procedures to actually literally diagnose it. Um, but I, I did, I looked at both doctors whom I love. They're like part of my family. Yeah. I looked them both in the face and I said, I told you two months ago, this was back. So where do we go? What do we do? How do we start this? You know, because mm. now I've already been there. Now I know what we've got coming and now I'm just, okay, how do we start? What's the first step? Let's go. So it, it was difficult, but it was also we knew what was coming. And when we told Georgia, she was just, you know, she said, okay, well, do I have to go back then to the hospital? Yep, you do. And Mm. that's actually where she met her very best friend, Jenna, who had been diagnosed about a month before her. And um, unfortunately, Jenna had brain cancer. And uh, she passed away in July of 2012. But uh, yeah, it, it was, and this time Georgia was eight. So she understood 
a lot more of what was happening. She understood a lot more of the concerns of the side effects of complications. You know, there was a lot more that I couldn't keep from her because she knew. And we would just tell her straight out what was happening, what was going on. Um, yeah, the second time around was hard for different reasons. It was definitely mm. harder for different reasons. Because now you know some of what's going into it, which is exactly be a blessing, but also you know the bare bones of it, and you know what's required exactly. to gear up to that. And right. you've and you've mentioned to me this word momcologist. Momcologist. It's very yeah. clear now that this is exactly right. You had that intuition. It's almost it's like a degree. It's like yeah. a badge that you wear. Uh, how how does that that word or that that momcologist term play in for you? Um, it was a title that I never asked for. It was a title that was just bestowed upon me in the middle <laughs> of the night and um, wow. not yeah. one that I thought I'd ever have, but I will tell you, it is one of the proudest badges that I have. Mm. Um, honestly, to this day, I feel like those times when I was, you know, in treatment with her, those are the times that I felt like I was the best mom I could be. Um, wow. but it, it was, it was easy to think that cause that's the only thing I could focus on was that. Yep. And, yep. you know, when your kid is ill and trying to survive, nothing else matters. And so you do, you become yes. a mycologist, you become a dad colleagist, you become, yes. that is your entire world is revolved yes. around treating it, getting rid of it and, you know, praying to God that it doesn't come back. It's that hyper-focused in on this is what's really important here and now. Let's get through this next treatment, this exactly. next moment, this next night. Let's just treasure where we are now. Exactly. Yeah. And you made a network of all other momcologists. We did. So we beautiful. still get together. We talk all the time. You know, when one mom goes in, you know, if their child goes in, we've had a couple since relapse. And oh, wow. we'll just, you know, before COVID, obviously, you know, we would just all show up at the Tomorrow Fund Clinic and, you know, just, hi, we, we heard something's going on. Here we are. So mm. we are we are literally there for each other 24 seven. Um, I actually spent Christmas day of 2012, um, in Hasbro ER with one of the moms and her daughter, um, Jess is the mom. Jessalyn was the daughter. They had to go into the hospital. She had spiked a fever. I said, well, nobody should be in the ER at Hasbro on Christmas by themselves. I'm mm. going. And I told my girls that I said, I know it's Christmas, but Jessalyn is in the hospital. Do you mind if I go? And they said, absolutely. Go, 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 go. You know, they wow. understood at that point because they were a little older. They understood at that point what we all did for each other. And yeah. it's the, the camaraderie that the kids have too. Mm. Is just, even to this day, they still, we still talk to them. We see them. A couple, unfortunately, have since passed on. Um, mm. But, you know, the, the, it's a connection they're never going to be able to break. Never going to be able to break. Wow. And you're actually involved in it, encouraging, I guess you could say, the next wave of of beautiful moms and Absolutely. children. That, that yeah, we're all going to get this. tattoos. <laughs> no. We all, we're all going to get tattoos where somebody, one of us, is, one of them is coming up with the design and we're all getting it. And, oh yeah, no, we, we stick together. And a lot, it's funny because a lot of people, um, even people close to me used to say we were overdramatic moms. 
And I'm thinking, what would you be? You know, until you're in this, you don't know how you would be. You know what I mean? Um, but you had said something earlier about struggles and every parent's struggle is their struggle at that time. Yes. It doesn't yes. matter what it is. It doesn't matter what kind of struggle it is. It doesn't matter if it's a health struggle, financial struggle, whatever it is, the struggle is similar between all of us. The reason for the struggle might be different, but the struggle is similar. And I like to, you know, people always say, oh, but mine was nothing. Well, yeah, your child was diagnosed with type one diabetes. That's pretty huge. You know, um, I, I met someone that way and her child had been diagnosed with type one diabetes. She was talking to me and talking to me about it. And then after she was telling me about it, she said, you know, so what's your story? And I told her and she said, oh my God, she said, I can't believe I just sat here for 30 minutes and went on and on and on about my kid when your kid, you know, has cancer. And I said, it's not a competition. Mm. We're all moms. We're all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to keep our kids alive, yeah. keep them happy. It doesn't matter. We're all in the same, we're all in the same storm, just a different boat. <laughs> I love that. You know, it's so true. So, yeah, it really is. It really is. And I make a silver lining out of anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's like my superpower. <laughs> yeah, I love that superpower. Oh my God. That's, that's what I'm talking about. That refreshment. And, yeah. and I wonder, you know, that makes me think of the fact that sometimes we need to encourage our own self because we are the ones we know we're called upon to then encourage our kids. Um, when we're in these situations that we couldn't have planned for, um, we have to almost encourage ourselves. So even sometimes when we feel like we have nothing left, did that, um, I was just going to ask you, how do you encourage yourself? I know you're saying that this is kind of how you are, but have you been that way? Did you develop it? Um, and you know, you, you mentioned you have the faith in God. I was going to say, how do you keep encouraged or was there anyone or anything even now that particularly encourages you when you feel like, okay, I don't know where this encouragement's going to come from. Honestly, my faith. Now mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not what you would say a religious person. That's mm -hmm. not what I am. I'm a faith filled mm -hmm. spiritual person. Um, I'm mm -hmm. Catholic. Um, you know, I haven't been to church in like a million years, but my Lord and savior, he is the mm -hmm. one who's got it all because you know, I don't want any of it. I don't want the mm -hmm. responsibility for all of it. I will do what he tells me to do. I will go in the direction he tells me to go, but I am ultimately not in charge of any of it. And knowing that and that faith, having that faith that, look, I don't know how I'm going to get through, you know, this next procedure with my kid. I was actually just up at Boston Children's last night with Georgia having an MRI yeah. for a lot wow. of late term side effects that she's having. Um, so even then, once the cancer's gone, there's yes. still a whole bunch of stuff that happens. So it's, it's just the faith, the faith that, you know, it is going to be okay. It's going to be what it's going to be. And mm. my response to it, how I deal with it and how I present it to my kids, mm -hmm. that's the important part for me. Wow. I don't know my, if I my... answered your question, but <laughs> yeah. It absolutely did. Of course, it leads to 10 more questions because you're that amazing. Um, oh, <laughs> so I'll have to get around to Yes. Oh, you're so adorable. Because you, I, what you just said was how I handle it and how I present this to my children. 
He yeah. said something like that is what, yeah. what matters. You're, you're taking ownership of being the adult in the room. And the only thing I, I can relate to is being a single mom and realizing, okay, this is happening. I'm going to be a single mom. My girls did not know what was happening because they knew that mom was there. Mom's putting them to bed. Mom loves me. Um, you know, if dad isn't there, we have mom and they didn't ask where he was. Um, basically maybe they did twice in a matter of four months. And, but I didn't do that. I didn't have that. That wasn't for me. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God gave me that strength to keep going for them. And they remember pleasant times. They, because of how I handled it. And again, it was God helping me. So what I just hear you saying is that that even you feel God gave you, you know, God gave you the strength to not only have the strength for you, but for your daughters. And it was something that we can't even explain. No, you can't. And I, I, I have seen many families go through similar experiences, you know, just with their child with cancer who don't have that faith. And mm. I, I couldn't do it. I could not do it. I could not claim responsibility for all of it. There's no way I could do it with a smile on my face. Um, so, you know, that, that's, that's what got me through. And then obviously that poured over into my kids as well, which, you know, yeah. it was, we, we all have fond memories. We have terrible memories too, but we have beautiful memories. We talk about things every single day from wow. that part of our life. Um, yeah, it, it sticks with you. Absolutely. And how is Georgia now? Can we ask what, what is, is um, her, how is her health? How is, um, how is she doing? She's doing well. Um, she battles a lot with depression and anxiety. Um, oddly enough, a lot of the things that she has battled with since cancer, sometimes would she have battled with that anyway? <laughs> but when you add the fact that, you know, she had years of treatment, years of all these meds going into her, is that the reason for some of these things happening? Or would they have just happened anyway? Was it in her DNA? So a lot of things we don't really know where they come from. Um, but she does battle a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. Um, she right now she's a student at URI. Um, she is very unhappy there. She doesn't want to be there. <laughs> Um, she actually, she actually wants to be a, a hairdresser and a nail tech. And, um, that's what she's hoping to do. Uh, and she'd be great at it. She's extremely artistic and art is actually what got her through all those years. Uh, I actually wow. have in my basement drawings and things, everything that she ever did while she was in the hospital, I have. And it kind of tells a story of years of her life. And that's where she really, you know, she had no energy or strength to do anything else some days except pick up a pencil or pick up a marker or a crayon or, you know, something. She's very, very artsy. And uh, so she wants to do something in that, that type of field. But hair and nails is kind of her thing. So, um, but yeah, she's got quite a few um, unfortunate side effects from the years of chemo. She has uh, her, her iron in her blood level is way too high. And um, that's something that they're having to really watch for, which is why we were in Boston last night. She was insulin resistant for quite a few years after treatment and gained a lot of weight. She has since 
that's been balanced out. She's doing well there, but she has a lot of muscle, a lot of muscle, uh, muscle skeleton issues. She has back problems. She actually has scars from the four times they had to put, you know, extract things out of her hips and out of her spine. Um, so yeah, physically she struggles, she struggles and there's still a lot of weakness. still a lot of things that, you know, were probably most likely stunted and changed because of, you know, the years that she had it and what was going into her body during those years. But she does all right. She does all right. She, she's right there for anybody who needs her. She's caring. She is, she's a beautiful, beautiful soul, loves to help people. And uh, yeah, she, she's an amazing kid. And so is her sister. Siblings, siblings, it's hard on siblings too. How so? How how did Maggie deal with all that? Maggie dealt with it by being the, she was our comedic relief. Mm. Really, really was. And she would do anything to make Georgia laugh. She would do anything to make all of us laugh, you know, and the siblings, they get tossed around, you know, because you have to go to treatment. You have to do this. A couple of times she would come with us, but she didn't always want to. She was three, four, and five years old. You know, she didn't always want to go sit in the hospital all day. Um, so they deal with it in in kind of a different way. Um, luckily for us, Maggie, like I said, became the comedic relief. And she was just a light, just a huge, huge light. And she still is to this day. She is absolutely beautiful. But they can very easily and understandably get pushed aside, get forgotten about because, you know, obviously you're trying to, you know, help your one child survive. Um, right. It's very easy for them to get lost. So I counted a lot on friends and her school, actually. Um, they really, they showed her a lot of extra love, a lot of extra, you know, TLC and, and she, she does great. She's a great kid. She's 16, junior in high school. She's mm -hmm. awesome. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's awesome. They're, they're yeah. just, they sound both like amazing powerhouses, like their mom. So they really are. They, I don't know <laughs> yeah, where they get from. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, they're, they're amazing kids. They're amazing kids. Yeah, they really are. Now you mentioned the tomorrow fund. Um, and, and that it's, you mentioned that it was very significant for you. And you've also mentioned uh, National Childhood Cancer Month. Can you tell us a little bit about what those uh, mean to you, what they meant, and also what's coming up at the State House? Fill us in yeah. on all of that. Sure. Well, the Tomorrow Fund is the only nonprofit organization in Rhode Island that um, helps children and families who are going through cancer treatment. They help financially, mm -hmm. they help emotionally, they provide services. Um, there were quite a few families who, you know, parents were out of work trying to take care of their kid, especially if their child was hospitalized for long periods of time, you know, they would pay your electric bill, they would help you to pay this or that. So financially, they're a huge source of assistance for families. Emotionally, they help you to find therapists, they have plenty of uh, child life specialists and licensed social workers that are assigned to each family. So there is, there's never, you know, um, there's never a lack of somebody there to help you through this. 
and the nurses and doctors are absolutely amazing. I still do stuff with the Tomorrow Fund. They're, they were forever, you know, unfortunately, they're not going to be able to get rid of me ever. <laughs> um, so, and I think some of them are happy. Some of them are not so happy. But, um, and then as far as September, September is National Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. And the color is gold. That is the uh, color for childhood cancer awareness. And the state house um, is lighting up the dome this week. It might have, I don't know, Georgia and I drove by last night and I couldn't tell if it was gold or a different color, but it might've been lit up already, but they light mm -hmm. that up for a week during September uh, to honor all the kids. And they actually do every year, except this year, they bring in the kids um, and the kids are become ambassadors for the month and they do a lot of a lot of good stuff. They really, really do to bring awareness to uh, to the situation. So, wow. Yeah. But yeah, if anybody wants to check out tomorrowfund.org, they are just a life saving organization. They really, really are. Mm. You can see why you speak so highly because they're they're like those angels that come alongside and they are. It, it's they, they probably have helped half, half of their staff are previous cancer moms themselves. Um, wow! So it's kind of nice, you know. A lot and quite a few of the nurses that we had over the years, their children had survived cancer and they became nurses because of it. So it's kind of you know a lot of them have a connection. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's just a great, it, it helps you when you're going through a really dark time. Yes. Someone who says, I, I've been there, you know, mm -hmm. that that's exactly Absolutely. right. Absolutely. We're, and we're going to have a link on our website page and on our uh, show notes so that people can get in touch with the Tomorrow Fund and they can be involved in supporting uh, that organization, um, which is, it's so involved in, in helping children mm -hmm. like yeah. Georgia to, yeah. to live and to grow and to thrive um, and to help moms, especially like you who have, you know, given so much we need to give to you, to the moms who are the momcologists. We need to That's stand right. aside. That's right. Dad you know? <laughs> to, the, to the mamas. I, we call ourselves the mamas. That's all we call ourselves is the mamas. And everybody oh knows what we're talking about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I guess you said something earlier. It's sometimes we need that that person that knows what it's like. They've been through it and there's nothing that can take the place of that, that you don't have to explain what you've been through. They could know with a look or a glance. And maybe we're called to be that for someone else even today or this week, no matter, like you said, what the struggle is or what we're going through. Maybe we have secretly needed someone to be that for us. And I think you've shown that power of connection um, and, and how far reaching that can be and how life-changing it can be. And your daughters know it because you modeled it for them. They know it and they reach out because you've shown that. And so we we have more, sometimes we have more influence, I think, than we think in our sphere. And Absolutely. And do you it's, by think what that, we, it's by what we do, not by what we say. Wow. That's profound right there. We got to, you know, you, so oh, you've seen definitely. that. So it goes beyond the words. It's really, um, how do you unpack that? How, what does that mean to you? I don't really know. <laughs> um, I'm a, you know, 
I'm a word person, but I'm more of an yes. action person on top of it. Yes. And um, yes. it was odd, uh, something had come to mind when we were talking about the mamas and you had mentioned, you know, getting everybody through. You just look at another parent in the situation, you know what they're going through. And one of the things that I used to do a lot was when you'd walk into the Tomorrow Fun Clinic, you could always tell who the newbies were because they were the parents that were sitting in the corner looking like deer in the headlights who had no idea what was going on. And I made it my job, <laughs> my volunteer job. Mm -hmm. I would go mm -hmm. over to them and literally sit next to them and say, what are you in for? And <laughs> it was just, you know, an opener and they would just blurt out what they were in for. We'd all have a good cry. And then we, you know, do what we had to do. But I would always make it a point to, you know, hey, you're not alone in this. We're all here. You know, get out of the corner. Nobody needs to hide. We're all crazy here. You'd see moms dancing on tables, you know, in the lobby. And I'm not even kidding. We really would. <laughs> So, you know, but the kids remember that stuff. They remember, oh my gosh, Miss Jen used to dance on the tables all the time at clinic. And, you know, but that's the stuff when they're getting a blood transfusion, when they're getting the nastiest chemo they've ever received in their life. And, you know, a half an hour after that, they're going to be in the bathroom puking their guts for the next 24 hours. You do whatever you can for each of those kids, not just for your own, because at that point, all those kids become your kids. And that's mm. part two about the, the mamas is that our kids are all each other's kids. We look mm. out for them just like we do our own. And, you know, that was, that was a huge thing for us too. Wow. That's a powerful image. Uh, yeah. You know, just to share that with us, not only injecting that lightness, but also trying to find, like you said, that, that silver lining or making someone's life better even for five, 10 minutes, because you know what they're going to be facing after. Exactly. And I wonder what that, what would life look like if we could do that more often? Absolutely. Uh, you know, what Absolutely. if we could just do that on a daily basis, not only for ourselves, but for each other. Yeah. Um, and I just love to, to see what you think about, you know, this last question wrapping up um, you've touched on it before, but where, where do you see, God in this kind of this journey that you've gone on, um, what would you say would be the encouragement for our listeners when we, we all face these inevitable hard times? Um, it could be cancer. Could, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know when we wake up, you know, for us, all of us, maybe COVID has shown that, um, yeah. but, but we're inevitably going to face it. If we haven't faced it already, we will face something that will take us by surprise. What what kind of encouragement would you offer or or where do you see that that God entered in for you? Um, well, my Lord and Savior entered in a long time ago for me, but um, I had quite a few things happen even before I had kids that really kind of put my faith to the test. But um, it, as far as I... I hope that people can believe in something bigger than them. Georgia, um, kind of a personal story, Georgia right now basically has given God the middle finger and um, she knows he's there, but she's a little angry 
You know, she's right. a little angry at situations that have happened in her life. She's a little angry at the people she's lost. And so rightfully mm -hmm. so, she's like, yeah, mm -mm -mm, not right now. So yeah. I continually tell her, and she she knows about my faith. Um, and I continually tell her, you know, Georgia, I don't, at this point in your life, I don't care if it's God, if it's Buddha, if it's Muslim, I don't care what it is. I just want to know that you believe in something bigger than yourself, something that you can say, okay, I'm not in charge of this, something that takes the pressure, something that takes the scared feeling away from you to know that there's a bigger entity out there that has a plan, that no matter what you do, there's a plan out there for you and it's going to unfold. And the more you can understand that, the more that you can accept that you only have a little bit of control over what's going on. Um, the more faith that I have, the easier my life gets, even <laughs> though the situations right. have gotten crazier. If that makes <laughs> right. any sense whatsoever, and I mean, don't get me wrong, there were days that I was, you know, driving 85 miles an hour to Hasbro, literally with my middle finger in the air going, really, Lord, this is what we're doing today? Um, <laughs> but he can take it, you know, he's bigger than me, yeah. he knows already what's happening. So yeah. it's it's a personal thing. But for me, I just, I hope that people, you know, find something that's bigger than them, that they they can trust, they can know is, is giving them what they need to do what they have to do. Mm. I don't know if that answers. It anything. Does. Okay. It absolutely does. I hope so. <laughs> everything, I really everything hope is so. answered. It. Yes. <laughs> You're amazing. Oh, <laughs> you know, I'm really what I love not, is but thank you. I appreciate you that. <laughs> and I'm this is going to have an impact. To survive, that's all. <laughs> Right? Aren't we all? Yeah, we are. Absolutely. <laughs> and Absolutely. we need to be there to we hold do. each other's iced coffee. We do. Uh, whatever oh it is, God, even we if we do. poured something in there, you know, whatever we're going to pour in there, a little Bailey's, whatever, because Listen, we have to. And we did that at it. the hospital too. Trust yeah. me. Yes. I had plenty of Bailey's Irish cream in my coffees every such certain mornings. I will not even kid you. Oh, the nurses would literally just turn a blind eye. They would be okay. <laughs> You do what you got to do, but um, yeah, absolutely, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jen, for being here. Thank you for holding the iced coffee of so many moms around you in honor of the way that that your people held your iced coffee, and you're holding that iced coffee for you know the next generation of, as you said, newbies, and they are forever going to be blessed because you're in their lives, and so is Georgia, and so is Maggie, and I hope you will come again on the show. We have so much more to talk about. Thank you oh, so much. Oh, we do. You don't even know the trauma, <laughs> girl. You don't even know. No, yes. No, I would, I would love to. I would love to. Absolutely. I really appreciate you having me on. I really do. This has been fun. Thank I look you. forward to the, to the next one. Thank you so much. We're all going to be supporting uh, this month, a very special month um, for, for everyone. So yes, all of you who have been through it. That's right. Go gold. That's go right. Gold. <laughs> so thank you so much. We will talk to you very soon. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.